Hello, and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased you've been able to join us for tonight's program. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how deep in debt you are, no matter how out of control things have become, you can put your trust in the God who promises to never leave you. There are a few things in life that we can be fairly sure of. One of them is that sooner or later, life will present us with problems. Some areas of life present greater opportunity for problems, it seems, and tonight's discussion is one of them, money. We can't live without it, and we don't always do well with it. So what does God have to say about money? Dr. Corbett is in a four-part series titled The Theology of Problems. It might be hard to imagine that God has any purpose in problems or anything to say about modern money issues. If you're not convinced, please stay tuned. The problem in focus tonight is that of money. So let's join Dr. Corbett now for the problem of money. As we talk about problems, I'm a practitioner. I create them. I, 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 I deal with them. In fact, a part of the reason I'm on this planet is to help people solve problems. I think that's a part of what pastoring is. And today, I want to pastor you. I want to shepherd you. To me, a shepherd is someone who can feed, lead, guide, protect. And I want to do that for you today. And this is, this is what I'm doing right now for me is not just giving you a talk, it's not just, I don't want anyone to come up and say, that was a really great sermon, I'm not, I'm, great, thank you, but that's not what I'm about. I want to shepherd your souls today. So will you join me in prayer? Father, as I try to expound your heart and your word, God, I pray that the heartbeat that pounds in your chest would pound in mine, and that, Lord, people would hear the beat of your heart and that they would experience your presence today. Father, you have spoken to me and now, Lord, I pray that I can deliver what you have said and that, Father, you give each person here ears to hear. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In a moment, I'm going to be interviewing someone. I want to introduce them to you in a moment who has uh, something to say about the topic we're going to be dealing with today. And we've been looking at different problems that people face in life. And one of the things that I've said to you is that I think Christianity, biblical Christianity in particular, has something to contribute to the well-being of people in every arena of their lives. The last week of my break in June, I was away for June, and the, my last uh, Sunday, I was in a church in Queensland who asked me to talk on the topic of sex and sexuality. I think it, just as Mark had a jaw-dropping experience with someone who thought Christianity looked like something that it doesn't look like, I think a lot of people have a very dim view of what the Bible's about. Maybe it's this old-fashioned, out-of-date stuff that bears no relevance to my life. And to discover that when it even comes to sex and sexuality, it has a lot to say. And today, this topic of money, the Bible has a lot to say about money. Jesus spoke more about money than he did about hell. He used the words money, he used the words riches, he used treasure, he used 
synonyms for it, but the point stands. And as we're looking at this, I'm calling it a theology of problems. And this is a part of it. And theology, the word theos is the word God, and ology is study of or looking at the reasons for. And so when we we call something a theology of money or a theology of problems, what we're really meaning is this is how God sees it. And this is how we should see it, looking through that lens that God uses to see life and how we should see life. And so when I'm going to appeal at the end of this message for people to surrender their lives to Christ, to surrender their lives to God, I'm not asking you to become religious. I'm not even asking you to join this church. I'm actually just simply doing this. I'm asking you to become who God created you to be. That's all I'm going to do. And there's a story of the farmyard school where the animals got together and said, we can learn from each other. And, and the duck said, well, I can teach you all to swim. And so the, the, the possum said, sure, I'd love to be able to swim. I'm, I hate, I'm scared of water. I'm, so the duck says, it's easy, easy, watch this. It just jumps in and paddles across the lake. And the possum gets in and, and nearly drowns. Can't swim, just drown. And the it, it, it gets pulled back up on shore and it's like, oh man, that didn't work. And the duck said, well, why don't you do what I showed you to do? It's like, it's easy. The next day they said, well, what's, what's the lesson today? And the, and the possum says, well, I'm going to show you how to climb a tree. And the duck says, oh, great, I've never been able to climb a tree. And so the possum just goes, to scamper. And the duck goes, well, that looked pretty easy. So the duck uses its feathers, rip, rip, webbed feet, rip, rip, blood, <coughs> falls down. He goes, well, that didn't work. And the moral of the story is neither of them in doing what the other could do, neither of them were doing what they were created to do or created to be. And you're created to be someone who's in a relationship with God. You're created for that. This is not becoming religious. It's not becoming weird. Well, it might be that, but it's about becoming normal in the sense of this is what you are designed to be someone who knows God connects with God and this topic I think is really really important and in a moment I'm going to give you my pastoral vision for how I want you to handle money and it may surprise you it's no surprise I trust to say that money is a problem and usually what's perceived as the lack of it for a lot of people. A lot of people are really, really struggling with their finances. In fact, the economists, uh, Morgan Stanley, they have uh, found, and I don't know how clearly this graphic's come up, but they found that Australia has the highest rate of personal debt per household of any nation in the world. It's something like the average, if you average it out, the average Aussie earns X and the average Aussie owns 186% of X. And it's, it's unbelievable how much, well, maybe it's believable because maybe you're one of the people who owe that. And so this includes credit cards, it includes high purchase, it includes personal loans. And even when you factor in mortgages and things like this, it, it comes into play somewhat. So this is a huge problem, personal debt. The, the scripture says this about finance and debt 
and it understands the pressure that, that people experience. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave of the lender. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. If I was to say to you, complete the following verse. Or maybe go the other way. The root of all evil is what, according to the Bible? Oh, now someone said, I heard two different things. How many would have said, Money is the root of all evil. Because I heard Jan McKay yell it out, which has wrecked my illustration here perfectly. Because I think that's a misnomer that when people say money is the root of all evil, and I've actually corrected, I, I remember I, um, not in a, uh, a way that was appreciated, but I remember there was a, when I was on staff at a church in Melbourne, the, the associate pastor said, Exactly what I just said, money is the root of all evil. And I, I went up to him afterward and said, you know, it doesn't actually say that. <laughs> it doesn't say that. And he said, no, it does, it does. I said, no, no, let's have a read of it. Uh, in fact, let, let's have a read of it. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not, it's not even the root of all evil. It's all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So it's important, I think, to do the first step in what we call hermeneutics or exegesis, which is hearing and receiving what God's word actually says, not what we think it says. Because money isn't the, not even the love of money is the root of all evil. Pride is. Self-deification. That's the root of all evil, when we say to God, get lost, that's pride. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and it, it causes people to be injured and hurt. Little wonder that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, as for what was sown, this is a parable of the sower, he said this, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the what of riches? The deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Can I tell you that in our church we have some uh, modestly wealthy people. And on a rare occasion I have had people who are more than modestly wealthy. They are very wealthy and I'll, I'll, I'll say from my experience generally they have not lasted very long in this church. And, and partly, this is my experience, partly it's because the deceitfulness of riches creates a cockiness in them that makes them almost unteachable. So if you're not incredibly wealthy, I don't know why you're still able to sit in your seat and not drop to your knees and lift your hands in the air and thank God. Thank God that I'm not incredibly wealthy. No one's doing that. I'm not convincing any of you are, am I? Am I? Jesus said in Matthew 19 verse 23 and Jesus said to his disciples truly I say to you only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven and I think that's that's my experience that's what I found I found that people have really really struggled with this now I want to introduce to you a friend of mine how long have we known each other Joe 20 something? 
about 20 years. Would you please welcome Joe Armstrong. Come on. Have a seat, Joe. Thank you. Tell us your story. <laughs> In about two minutes. Minute and a half. <laughs> I actually made some notes because you made notes. <laughs> you come prepared. Come so. on. Came to Australia in 1987 and was saved in 1988 just out of Newcastle. And uh, I was incredibly grateful for salvation itself and went straight into serving in the church. And um, I met Linda in 1991 and we were married then. And uh, in 2001, we were uh, ordained, started pastoring in the late 90s and ordained in 2001. Living Success Christian Centre, which is a church that we formed, was formed in 2003 and went on to uh, develop a radio program and uh, that went to air in 2004 and we've been on air ever since uh, around the world and Sunday Ministries out of Chicago and World Harvest Radio out of Indiana and all sorts of things. So we've preached on radio for 15 and a half years, some 800 weeks of radio. We've held 62 conferences across four states in Australia where I'd arrive on the Friday night or well, the Friday. I'd preach a couple of hours on the Friday night, preach all Saturday and Saturday night. And then generally a very lovely and considerate church would have me on the Sunday morning. So we did that for 62 weeks in four states. Um, Linda and I pastored for just on 20 years thereabouts and uh, came to Tassie, uh, Tasmania last year with a 30-year project in mind and we just sort of started on that. And Linda and I have been married 28 years with four daughters. Mm. Pretty cool. I'm hearing an accent. I don't know if anyone else heard the accent. Where have you come from? New Zealand. New Zealand. Mm. Raised in the high country. Ah, north or south? North. North, ah. Okay. Why Tasmania? It was something that I sensed on my heart, yeah. Mm -hmm. I came down here with a, I was national marine manager, uh, marketing manager for a marine company many years ago. And I came down here and visited Tasmania a few times and there was something twigged in my spirit. And it never went away and... Um, so when we actually made the decision, I put it to my board a couple of years ago, we investigated what we were sort of looking at, and they said, yeah, go forward, investigate it some more. Linda and I made the decision, and within a month, God had moved me. I just got transferred, bang. Okay, so you're currently working for a company. Um, so what are you doing? Uh, industrial hose and fittings company, supplying industrial and hydraulic hoses across the state. And your role? Um, technical sales. Okay. You've also got a couple other things on the, in the pipe work. So, so what do those things include? You said you've got a 30-year sort of plan. What's, what's happening? Oh, we're developing some um, uh, cabins and things like that, which we want to use the funds to pay for youth workers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. F uh, fully paid youth workers in churches. How many, do, you don't call it acres anymore, how many hectares? Um, or do we call it acres? No, it's, yeah, acres for me. All right, acres uh, for me too. <laughs> about 15. 15 acres. Um, that's the first project, yeah. Yep, and that's kind of down off the east coast. Yes. Okay. Joe, your program has, has centred on 
finance and success and, and things like that. Does that involve, what's your attitude toward debt? Well, people think there's good debt and bad debt, um, and we often hear that bandied around in the financial mm -hmm. circles. Um, the borrower is servant to the lender. So I'm not sure if there is such a thing called, mm -hmm. <laughs> called good debt. Mm -hmm. However, if there is a thing called good debt, and look, I'm not a financial advisor, I don't know, but if there was a thing called good debt, I would suggest perhaps, perhaps that it might be a situation where the cost of the money plus the risk factor was significantly less than the return that that money provided. Uh, as well, at the same time, I would hope that good debt would uh, preserve and, and uh, uh, take care of your initial capital. If that's good debt, so if borrowing money, presumably to invest, which will make money, what's bad debt? Well, obviously debt that, number one, the cost of the money is greater, uh, plus the, the, the risk factor, the cost and the risk factor of the money is greater than the return that that money creates for you. What's an example of a bad debt then? Okay, something, I don't know, maybe you buy a car, a brand new car for $50,000 and it's on a five-year you know, lease program or something. The moment you drive it out of the showroom, it's now worth maybe at best thirty-eight or 40000 but you owe sixty-six on it. So bad debt, um, the cost of the money is higher than that which it produces for you, mm -hmm. plus it's probably subject to a great deal of devaluation. Okay. So there's more we could talk about that, but, but I think it's good for people just to hear that difference. There's good debt, which makes you money, bad debt, which will take money out of your pocket in simple terms. Joe, uh, you talk about success. In fact, I think one of uh, the... the the website, the business, has got the word success in it, is that right? Oh, our church is called Living Success Christian. Living Center. Success. Yeah. And define for me what you mean by success. Success is, and to be successful, I believe, is being in a position where you can complete a God-given instruction. And, and I think personally, prosperity or wealth or whatever you want to call it, is being positioned so that you have sufficient resources to be able to complete a God-given instruction, whatever that happens to be. Okay. So success, being able to complete what God has called you to do, and prosperity is the means. Is that, is that what I hear you saying? I think so, yes. Because success is relevant. I mean, if you're in the Sudan, being highly successful and highly wealthy might be owning four kilos of rice. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're involved in a in an investment project now. Have you been involved in other investment projects before? Oh, yes and no, here and there, yeah. Okay, but so, so when it, we, we, we could see through scriptures that um, gambling is considered to be foolish and poor stewardship, isn't, isn't investing in something that's got a bit of a risk involved, isn't that gambling? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, Jesus laid out some interesting things in Matthew 25 that I've often looked at and wondered about. 
And uh, please, this is absolutely not financial advice in any way, shape or Mm. form. Absolutely not. But Jesus gave, there there was the, the, uh, the wealthy person that delivered to one gentleman five talents, another one two talents, and another one one talent. Now, f- uh, out of the eight talents, the, the five talents were given to somebody who was an absolute sure thing. Um, his ability had been monitored and uh, they knew what the return was going to be with investing with that person, in that person. So to me, that's five-eighths is what, about 62% was invested by that, uh, in that parable at an absolutely full-on guaranteed result. Then there was a further 25% uh, still invested at a um, pretty much a guaranteed return also. And the only swinging thing was a very small component who was one of the five talents. Uh, sorry, one of the eight talents, mm-hmm. which was you know twelve and a half percent or something. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of get numbers a bit. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that's an interesting dynamic. Number one, risk needs to be kept to an absolute minimum. But the thing that we don't know, or I've never been able to uh, ascertain, how much of that that landowner's wealth did the eight talents make up? So the eight talents to him may have been 1% of his total possessions mm-hmm. yeah, or something. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you know, the numbers, the percentages and that sort of thing may or may not work. Okay, but, so, so but in any investment, you don't put all on black seven? No way. No way. To, so to that, and that's based on straight, straight out of Matthew 25, okay. 14 and following. Okay. Do you dabble in shares or things like that? Um, personally, we do, yes, my wife and I do, um, uh, through our super fund and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, th- I think the thing with anything like that is that it doesn't matter what stage of life you're at and, or, or what position you're in, hire the best financial planner that you can afford, the best accountant that you can afford, and the best solicitor that you can afford as well as don't rely on mainstream media for your information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you please thank Joe Armstrong? Thanks, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. As Joe said, he's not a financial planner, neither am I, but he's an investor who is walking the talk and someone who's also committed to walking the talk as far as the kingdom goes. Here's my pastoral vision for you. I said to you, I want to pastor you. I want to help you financially. To do that, I want us to have a look at scripture in Proverbs chapter 30. This is three verses reading from Proverbs chapter 30 verse 7. And it's a beautiful prayer. In fact, I think in every Bible I've had, I've highlighted this because I remember reading this as a teenager and thinking, that's it, that's my prayer too. And I hope it becomes your prayer as well because it, it has something to say about how we handle finance. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. By the way, this is not Solomon. This is 
not even a Hebrew, not an Israelite, not a Jew who's praying this. This is an Arab in chapter 30 who's, who's saying this. Here it is. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Verse 9. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord. Can you hear the, the balance here? On the one hand, this, this writer is saying, don't give me too much because if you give me too much, I'll, I'll get cocky. He, he will, in effect, forget Han Solo's advice to Luke Skywalker. We all remember Han Solo's advice to Luke Skywalker. Don't look in your Bible. It's not there. It's this. Don't be cocky, kid. Because that's what riches can do. Jesus said that. Jesus warned that. Having too much can cause you to be cocky. And this is what this prayer is saying. Don't let that happen to me. Otherwise, I'll deny you. But at the same time, the balance of it is, but then again, I don't want to be always destitute. I don't want to have too much, but I don't want to be destitute. Otherwise, I could break the law. I could steal. I could hurt people. I could do something that will profane your name. So I don't want to be broke either. And I think that's a great balance. So here is what I hope you will get as the, the points of my pastoral prayer for you. Here's, here's what I'm hoping for you. Number one, that you become an investor of your resources, not just a spender. Investments grow. Spending depletes, if that's all you do. Depletes. We all have to spend. We have to do that. But at some point, we need to invest. And according to the experts, there's six levels of investing. I like what Joe shared about the parable of the talents. You had the sure thing guarantee. Let's put the most into that. The next thing guaranteed. Let's put that, you know, two talents into that. And here's the one risk. And the one risk was, well, as it turned out to be, he lost it. But he was, what the investor lost was, was a calculated amount. And he had enough to make up for it over here. Investing begins with saving. It involves, for most of us, putting money in the bank. Saving. That's an investment. For others, if, if you can, it could include the next level, which is putting in what's called a term deposit, where you get just a little bit more interest. That's investing. For others, it will involve going right up to level six, which... Uh, at the moment, no one has done in this church that I'm aware of, and that's start a business, float that business, and sell that business on the stock exchange. That's like a company limited on ASX. That's, that's the highest level of sophisticated investing. In between there, there's a few other steps. But number one, become an investor of your resources. Do you know your resources are not just your money? Can anyone think of what other resources you have as a person that makes you valuable? Uh, Troy? Time. Time. Brilliant. Energy. energy. <coughs> Showing love to people. Showing love to people? What, what, sorry, Rex. Possessions. Possessions. Yeah. Invest Talents. Your abilities. 
Anyone else? Sonia, what are you doing with your life at the moment? You're investing? Studying. Studying. Yes. It's an investment into your life. So you can, you can invest in your education. And someone, you know, if we, thank God you live in Australia. All of us, thank God. You may be studying. Um, Sonia, do you mind? How much is your physiotherapy degree going to cost you? You don't want to know, do you? <laughs> All right. $60,000. Thank you. You know how much it would cost if you lived in America? Heck of a lot more. Thank you, Sonia. <laughs> you know what heck is, don't you? It's where people who don't believe in gosh go. Um, in America, it would be about three times that amount. So thank God we live in Australia, but that's an investment in, that Sonia's making in her life. And there are others who have invested that way as well. So that's, in, that's a resource you have, and that's kind of your time. Invest your time. Invest into your own life. Become an investor. And there's some things, to, steps to do there, and this is what I hope everyone will do. To become an investor financially <coughs> begins by saving something. That's all we have time for tonight. If you'd like a CD copy or premium download of tonight's discussion, please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org, and select The Problem of Money from our online store. As we've heard tonight, Australians have a documented problem of significant personal debt. But we can have a God's eye view of money and take back control of our finances. There are actually biblical principles for handling money and they start with honouring God with the first of our income. More from Dr Corbett next week with the problem of children. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.